Well, we are in our series of Grow, and I thought, you know, there's no other better way than to, when we talk about growth, to look at, at, at flowers, for instance. I got these flowers, uh, this, this package of flowers a while ago, and, uh, you know, these beautiful flowers that are on here, you can see a picture there. Aren't they beautiful? Yeah, Pastor Randy, they're beautiful. Yeah, and I thought, man, wouldn't that look great in my yard? And so, you know, went and uh, the, the, the first week went by, and I didn't see any, any growth. The second week came by, didn't see any growth. Third week, fourth week, a month went by, I saw no growth. I think that I would think there would be some sprouts coming out, something out of the ground, the specific area that I had planned for it, and I saw no growth. Two months went by, still nothing. And I thought, well, maybe I should read the package. What did I do wrong? So I took the package, and I saw, you know, step one, that find a sunny area, rake the area. Step two, plant the seeds. It's full. Plant the seeds. I didn't plant the seeds. Now, I could want all I want to see those beautiful flowers show up, but I didn't plant the seeds. Now, you're sitting here going, really? Now, that sounds silly. That sounds ridiculous. That sounds like maybe you should focus on just buying your flowers from now on. (laughs) But yet, here's the reality of that. Oftentimes, we deal with our spiritual life just like that. We say we want to see God grow in our life. We say we want to see our relationship grow. We say we want to grow, grow closer to God and we want to make a difference. And we can have all these aspirations to see God help us, but yet until we plant the seed, it'll never happen. And some of you need to go back to the word and go, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong in this? How did I get to this point where I didn't get this right? And we come to, we come to John chapter 15, and then Jesus says, remain in me. And we go, wow, uh, I probably should have read the instructions if I was going to see some things take place. Well, that's exactly how we are in our spiritual life. So I want to help us this morning to move beyond just the idea of growing close to God, just the idea of inviting God to be part of our life in a greater way and growing on our relationship. Because we understand, and I want you to understand, but until you get planted in Jesus, nothing is going to happen. Until you put your faith and your life in in his hands, nothing is going to happen. You'll never experience the growth that you want to see. Well, how do we grow? How do we grow? How do we make this happen? So our text this morning is from John 15, 7, as we're in this series of growth, looking in, in the chapter 15 of the book of John. Verse 7 says this, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. What a powerful verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, it will be done for you. So this growth happens really in three phases, as we see in this verse. The first phase is this, if you remain in me. Well, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? The word remain, others, otherwise being said, to stay, to live, to abide, to keep in Jesus. So, we understand this, but we look to the earlier part of chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Verse 4, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So to remain or to live, to abide is to be planted in Jesus, to be planted. Maybe you've heard this statement said before, someone who wants to criticize your faith or criticize Christianity. Christianity really is a crutch. It's a crutch in your life. But I think I'd take it a step further and say, no, Christianity is more like a wheelchair. It's more like a wheelchair. It's not a a thing to kind of help aid your walk. Really, Christianity is all about us coming to this place of surrender in sitting in Jesus, remaining in Jesus, where I'm no longer in control. I don't dictate where I go, how I go. There's handles on the back of this wheelchair that somebody gets hold of, that they can push, they can pull, they can decide my progress, they can decide where I go. And really what it is to remain is to be seated in Jesus, in essence. It's for us to take a moment to sit in the chair, for us to take a moment to say, God, I'm not in control, I'm gonna get in the chair. I'm gonna come to this place. Wheelchair all of of a sudden has this different meaning for us because it means that he's in control. So we get in the chair. Okay, now what? Now what do I do? Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to remain in you, Jesus. Now what? And then we see later in chapter 15 and in verse 9, and it says this. As the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command, verse 12. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I anointed you to go and produce fruit, and that, fruit you, and, and that your fruit should remain. So to remain in Jesus is to sit in his love, to sit in his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, follow his commands, follow his words. Realizing this, that Jesus actually chose you to sit in the chair. He chose you to sit. There's this picture in my mind that Jesus actually kind of chases us. He, he actually takes the chair and he chases us and we, we run from him and he keeps chasing us because he wants us to be seated in relationship with him. And so he chases us. It's interesting some of the comments that people have said to me after services. One guy says, yeah, I got in the chair five years ago. Five years ago, I was tired of running. I was tired, and finally I sat in the chair. I finally came to Jesus. You know, it's kind of a lot like fishing. Any of you ever, like, ocean fish for salmon? First time I learned how to, how to ocean fish for salmon, it was out, and, and in my mind, fishing, you know, you, you get the fish on the hook, and you just muscle it in the boat. And, and uh, I started doing that, and the guy said, no, 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 that's not, you got to play the fish. You gotta, I said, what does that mean, play the fish? He goes, you got to let the fish come in and you, 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 wheel, you, you reel as he comes in. And, and if he wants to run, you let him run. And he's got the zzzz. 
uh, sound going on and, and bring him back in and he runs again and bring him back in, he runs. And that's kind of how we are when we came to faith. You know, some of you, you, you got close and then you started running again. But here's the incredible thing about God's patience. His will is that none of us would perish, but all would come to repentance. He sticks with you. And so you run out, and so he reels you back in. You run out again. And finally, when the fish kind of comes to the side of the boat, and he's right there, and the fish kind of actually goes on its side. You know, that's when you net the fish. If you pull the net out too soon, the fish is going to run again. But just when it gets to that point where it's on its side and you net it and finally the fish kind of goes, okay, you got me. You got me. It's really how a lot of us were in our relationship with Jesus. He, he, was, he was playing us. He played us. And finally we came to that point to say, okay, Jesus, I surrender. And then we got in the chair and we remained in him. If you remain in me, Jesus said. And we came to that point. And some of us realize, we have to realize that Jesus actually chased us. He had the chair all along and he was chasing us finally to get to that point where we said, okay, Jesus, I'll choose you. Yeah, here's the reality. There's some of you, he didn't have to chase you. You just said, get in the chair. Okay, I'll get in the chair. And you came that, faith, that fast in your faith. But the others of you, 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 he had to play you. You, you. you were sinners, you were good at it. And he had to kind of reel you in. He chose you because he chased us. So we say, okay, so I'm in the chair. I'm planted in you, Jesus. Now what? And then he says, if you remain in me. And then he says, if my words, now my words remain in you. What are his words? Verse 12, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No greater love is there than this to lay down his life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. My command is to love one another. See, we remain in Jesus, planted and seated in Jesus. Then we let the word begin to transform us. So then we come to this point to where we say, okay, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in relationship. I invite you into my life. Now I'm, I'm remaining in you. And then he invites us now to open up his word. And he invites us to let the word begin to remain in us. And so we start reading the word and we start seeing this. And he says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And all of a sudden, these words begin to take life. All of a sudden, as I read the word, as I hear the word, as I memorize these words, all of a sudden, it changes me. It changes because it's coming into me. And it comes into me, and all of a sudden, it saturates my life. And I begin to listen to it. But see, if I don't read the word, and I don't let it remain in me, we deal with this wrestle every day. And here's the wrestle. Um, I don't think I need to sit in a chair anymore. I, I think I'm pretty strong. Pastor Tyler mentioned this uh, a week or so ago when he, when he talked about how uh, we oftentimes think that maturity is independence. And yet maturity in Jesus is not independence. Uh, it's not being independent. It's being dependent on him. And so we find ourselves in this interesting challenge in our spiritual journey. Okay, all of a sudden we have marital problems and we're like, okay, okay, I got to get in the chair. Okay, God changed my wife. God just... Oh, Lord, she doesn't understand. Oh, she forgave me. Okay, I don't need to be in the chair. 
She forgave me. Uh-oh, the doctor gave me a bad report. Oh, I better get back in the chair. Oh, there's medicine. Okay, I don't need to be in the chair. Oh, I lost my job. I better get back in the chair. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I need a, oh, I got a better job. Pays more. Okay, I don't need to be in the chair. And we have this wrestle back and forth of when we're in the chair, when we're not. If I need Jesus, I'm in the chair. And then we get to this point to, to get out of the chair. And you know why we get out of the chair, really? It's because we don't want to walk in obedience. Because in the chair, when we allow God's word in our life, he says, let my word remain in you. And we start reading things and we're like, oh, I don't like that verse. Okay, I'll just walk. I'll walk, you know, hey, I'm by the chair. You know, it's there if I need it. You know, I don't want to be too far. I can look religious. Okay, well, maybe, you know, one hand. It's just getting a little... Yeah, I can, or, or maybe I get to, hey, I'm in proximity to the chair. You know, I show up to church once a month. You know, hey, there's, there's a, you know, I'll just, okay, well, I'll show up on Christmas. So I'll show up at Easter and, you know, it's, it's just, I'm by the chair, but I really don't want to be in the chair because we wrestle with this, I don't know if I want to walk in obedience and there's situations that happen in our life to make us, well, I, I don't want to be too connected. And, you know, it's Friday night, and Friday night is, it's party night. And, you know, I don't, I don't want the chair on Friday night. You know, some of you, yeah, you're, you party. And I know, I got Facebook, Instagram, I see it. And, and I know, I, I don't want to be too close to the chair. Because it might cramp my style to bring Jesus with me. And so we wrestle and we step out of the chair, but wow, as soon as tragedy happens, oh, I'm back in the chair, I'm back. And we wrestle with this. We wrestle because we haven't allowed the word of God to remain in us. And we don't understand how we get to this point of, of this thing. He says that your joy would be complete. How do I get my joy complete? How do I get to that point where it doesn't matter what's happening out there? I can rest in the peace of God knowing that I'm right in the center of his will and way because as I allow the word into my life, I now begin to trust him. And I start saying, okay, God, I'll go where you want me to go. And I start trusting him. But then you come to this third point. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, and then there's this third, he says, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. But even more than that, in verse 17, same chapter says, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give to you. Oh, we love that verse. We love that part of the verse. Because what that means is we hear that and we say, okay, I'm going to remain in you. Your words remain in me. Okay, ask whatever you wish. And this is the part we sit there and go, oh, I can't wait. God, the lottery's coming up. It's the largest in the world. It's never been this high before. God, can I win that lottery? God, I'll even give money to CARES. Life Center CARES. I'll even make a pledge, Lord. Can I win the lottery? Or that single guy says, oh, God, if Miss Universe could just move next door to me. She could just get to know me. Or some single ladies. If he could just... Pay attention to me. And we start having all these different selfish ideas of what 
that verse says. If I remain in him, then I could ask whatever I wish. But here's the thing we fail to realize in that moment. That the more I allow the word of God to remain in me, it changes my prayers. Because it changes me. Suddenly, I go from selfishness to compassion and to empathy. And now I'm praying for my friends that God chased them like you chased me. God, I pray that you'll heal them and I pray you'll heal my friends and heal my community and heal my city. You start looking at the needs of others around you because you start realizing the same joy and peace that I have now in this chair, I want them to have. And then all of a sudden we begin to pray for ourselves. God, help me to be more loving. Help me to be forgiving. Instead of praying, Lord, help my wife to understand her, I start praying, Lord, help me. Help me to be a better husband. Help me to be more loving, more forgiving. And we start praying prayers like that because we're changed, because something happens differently in us. Somebody said to me after one of the last services, yeah, I remember when I came to Christ. It's funny, my, 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 my prayers started changing. I, I, didn't, I wasn't praying so selfishly. Now I'm praying for other people. More than I've prayed for other people before. Before it was more about me. Now it's about them. And yet in the midst of it, as I pray for them, I find God meets all of my needs. All of my needs are taken care of. And all of a sudden we come to this place where he says that your joy would be made complete. And we come to this place and I say, okay, God, I, I want to rest now in you. I want to be right in the middle of where you want me. And, and it's scary. It really is to release the controls. It really is scary. There's sometimes we want to use this break and say, God, <laughs> slow down. And God goes, just hold on. And God starts moving us places. And we're like, God, yeah, I don't know. No, I really don't like those people. God, I don't want to. And, he, and then he just, just hold on. And then he changes us. And he starts moving us places we thought we could never go, nor did we ever want to go. But we know what he's doing is he's doing something in us, making our joy complete, and we come to this place of trust. Now, sitting in the chair doesn't mean that we are, we are absence of trials and tribulations and difficulty. No, that stuff's still going to come. It will. It's still going to come. It's still going to be in that situation. But when you're sitting in Jesus, when you're remaining in Jesus and allowing his word to remain in you, there's this incredible peace that you have in the midst of the storms because you know who's controlling the chair. You know who's leading and who's guiding. And he's making a way where there seems to be no way. He's opening doors that only he could have opened as he leads us and as he guides us. We begin to experience this because I need him in my life. Here's the incredible thing that he does with us when we're in that chair is we pray that prayer and he says, Look, you can ask anything you want to be given to you. But what's interesting about that chapter, chapter 15, is the thing that he led to at the end of that chapter wasn't, and the Lord will help you get a good job or the Lord will he said this when you do this I want you to love others as I have been as you have been loved 
A new commandment I give you, love one another. So he gets us to this place of surrender where his word is now in us, and then he invites us to love. It's probably one of the most difficult things to do. We can love those who love us. It's difficult to love those who don't love you. But yet in this chair, he leads us and he guides us to places of new hope and new love and new grace and new mercy. He leads us on new journeys and he invites us to love. Love as I have loved you. Then you'll understand what it is to remain in me and let my words remain in you. We need to allow his word to remain in us. Because apart from being in Jesus, we don't, by nature, want to be good people. Let me show you a verse in Matthew. Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 12 and verse 33, and it says this. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good out of him, of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. We need more of his word in our life so his word can come out of our life. We need more of him in us so more of him can come out of us. And when that's happening, we're in the chair. If you find your language isn't what it should be, probably you have a posture like this in your spiritual life. You're not in the chair because you're not allowing his words to be in you. You got to get in the chair and get in his word and let his word be in you and it just comes out of you. Just naturally. Naturally. You don't have to work at it. It just comes. And his presence is there and his power is there. You know, there's some of you today, you've never sat in a chair. You're here today. You're watching today online because something's been drawing you here. That's the Holy Spirit who's drawing and wooing you the invitation to come sit in the chair. You're tired. You've been running. And he's been chasing. And today, perhaps, is your day to sit in the chair. It's your day to say yes to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I invite you to my life and I'm going to sit in the chair for the first time. There's others of you here today You've sat in the chair, but this morning, this afternoon, you're out of the chair. For whatever reason, you're not sitting in the chair. You thought you could do it on your own. You thought you're strong enough. Or maybe some of the things he was calling to you to do, you didn't want to do it. And so you've just, you're out of the chair. You know you're not sitting in the chair. You know you're not sitting in the center of his word, his will, and his way this morning. And you know you need to be back in the chair. There's others of you here today. 
you don't feel good enough to sit in the chair. Oh, Pastor, you don't know where I've been, what I've done, and you don't feel good enough. You know, my fishing story, there's a fish that I caught one time in my introduction to this fish. It was called a lingcod. I don't know if you've ever seen a lingcod. It is an ugly fish. I'm with these guys on a boat, and they're over there on that side of the boat, and I'm sitting here, and, and, and I felt something heavy, and I thought it was a log. You know, that's my fishing ability. I got a log. So they're going, yeah, just pull up. So I pull it up. All of a sudden, out of the water comes the most hideous fish I've ever seen in my life. It's a lingcod. And I'm like, hey, guys, what is this? And they turn and they look and they go, you got a lingcod. And I'm like, yeah, what do I do with that? He goes, oh, oh, that's good meat. That's good. Oh, this is good fish. It really is good fish. And, and, and I brought that thing on. And, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't as happy until after I tasted a lingcod. And then I started realizing, well, that's, that's an ugly fish. I think it was like 20, 24 pounds. It keeps getting bigger every service. It might have been 30. I don't know. But it was the most hideous fish I have ever seen. But you know, to a fisherman, it's a beautiful fish. It's beautiful. And that's how God is with us. You might feel like, I'm not good enough. I'm pretty disgusting. I'm pretty, and God says, just go ahead. You can be ugly. You can be disgusting. I'll, I'll take you. Just come sit in the chair. I'll, I'll, I'll clean you up. Don't worry about what you look like. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. Just, just sit in the chair. He doesn't wait for us to get it perfect before we sit in the chair. He just says, come on, sit in the chair. But, but God, yeah, just sit in the chair. It's okay. It'll wash off. Don't worry. Just sit in the chair. Come to me, all your weary, heavy laden. Sit in the chair. While we were still sinners, Christ invited us to sit in the chair. You don't have to get all cleaned up. You could have got out of the chair and been a long way from the chair. Could God ever? And God says, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, you come to me and I'll come to you. You come to me and I'll come to you. He just invites us to that and come back in the chair. Remain in me. Let my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. It'll be given you. That your joy would be complete because my joy will be in you. Would you bow your heads with me today? Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that you chased us. <laughs> You ran after us. When we were far from you, you chased us. You chose us. It wasn't by accident. It's not by accident that we're here today, but by your providence, your direction that you brought us here today to remind us to come sit in the chair. Your heads are bowed and just allow yourself to be personal with the Lord in this closing moment. Perhaps you're here this morning and you'd say, you know, Pastor Andy, I've never sat in the chair before. But I want to. I haven't felt good enough, but I want to. I want to invite Jesus into my life. And if that's you, 
you could make that step today. If that's you, can I just invite you to raise your hand? That's me, Pastor. If you're online, even to raise your hand online, that's, that's me. God sees it. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. I want to invite Jesus into my life today. Take that bold step, that first step. Thank you. Perhaps you're here today and you've not been in the chair. It's not a question of you've sat, you've sat in the chair before, but today you're out of the chair. You know you're out of the chair. And God, by his Holy Spirit today, brought you here because he's inviting you to come back in the chair. And he'd say, you know what, Pastor, I know I need to get back in the chair. If that's you, can I invite you to raise your hand? That's me, I need to get back in the chair. Thank you, thank you. All across this room, yes. I need to get back in the chair. Online, just raise your hand. Right where you're at, I need to get back in the chair, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for those today, those who need to sit in this chair today, get back in the chair or get in the chair for the first time. As they, in simple faith, Lord God, invite you into their life, and as they, in simple faith, reposition their life to walk in obedience to your word, your will, and your way. As they courageously come and sit in the chair, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will rush to them. You'll begin, Lord God, to minister healing and help and wholeness. Begin to make straight the things that are crooked. Begin to make right the things that are wrong. Begin to heal, Lord God, and restore and make your joy complete in them. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll help them to put some deep roots down, to grow in faith, to grow in relationship with you, Father, like never before. That they can look at the world around them and they can ask whatever they wish and it will be done for them. That your joy would be made complete in them and their joy would be complete. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.